0: Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. I remember, I remember like yesterday. My wife had been in labor for 20 hours, she had become a beast. They said, put on those paper scrubs to come into the delivery room. They don't make those for people shaped like me. I put them on and they busted wide open. Very uncool. But I I was not going to be late. My first little girl was about to be born, and I stood by a bed like this, and that little girl came out, and I, we chose not to know what our first one would be, and I saw that new life. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen gross but great (laughs) the nurses did their thing the doctor did his thing and they wrapped Amy Deanna Allen up in this little cute little pink blanket and they handed her over to me and in my arms new life looked at me and I looked into that face, and, and by the way, she's 25 now with her own little boy. And to this day, when I look into her eyes, I see my new life. I see my eyes in her, I see her mom's spirit in her. I see her fire and her desire to raise a little boy. To love Jesus like she learned to love Jesus. And, and I remember when they put her in one of these things. And, and we had the balloons and everything. And they, they said, you can, you can go see her now. And I did. I, I walked in and I looked. And I, I really did. Like all new parents, I thought, What am I going to do now? She did not come with a manual. Do you know what the first thing she did when they put her in my arms? She wet all over me. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever. That's my girl. And when I set her back down in there, I recall leaning over and kissing her and knowing for the rest of my life, that was my girl. I recall walking her down the aisle in that chapel over there. Looking all pretty in her wedding dress. Me blubbering like a fool. Thinking to myself, I don't want to give her away. She's mine. And yet knowing this is part of life, isn't it? And I said, her mother and I, and then I handed her over to Benjamin Landis. And as I shook his hand, before I kissed my little girl, I whispered in his ear, if you hurt her, I'll kill you. He kind of chuckled, and I said, really? don't hurt my little girl. That's life. Life. We all have mile markers in our life, don't we? Times when the course of our life has changed. Something occurs and life changes. I've discovered there are a lot of those. I mean, naturally, you, you can't get on the road where the mile markers are until you're born. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, while while that little baby was walking around inside mom, mom got to pick everything. Well, except the throwing up part and what she craved to eat. But But then, when that baby was born, that baby didn't have any choice on what color hair they would have or what color eyes they would have or whether they'd have ugly feet or cute feet, whether they would get a tan or they would look like Casper all their life. They didn't have a choice whether they were black or white or red or green or yellow or purple. They didn't get a choice on whether their hair was curly or straight. They took on the DNA that their parents gave them through birth. And the mile marker began. The journey began where all of a sudden we'd have other mile markers. I remember that same little girl who I leaned down and kissed in that bassinet. I recall sitting at her high school graduating, and I was still blubbering. My girl. (laughs) And another milestone occurred. And then I remember moving them into their first house and thinking, that's my little girl. And someday that little girl will sit in a church and she will weep because the milestone will change because my dead body will be laying in a casket somewhere. And there will be another milestone and the journey will continue. And the milestones keep clicking by, don't they? Those mile markers keep clicking by. The faster you go, the faster they come. The faster life gets, and then the greater the pace gets, the, those mile markers, they click off just as fast as you can go. And you blink. And students, you think it's going to be forever between now and when you're out of school, but you'll blink and it'll be there. You think it's going to take forever? It's school, will never end. You'll blink, and it'll be summer. Parents, you'll blink. And your kids will be married. You'll blink, and this life will have moved on. Mile markers happen time after time after. They don't stop. But I became fascinated with this concept of, of birth, this mile marker. I read a story a few weeks ago about a lady, a girl by the name of Tamara Rabbi. Tamara was born in Guadalajara. She wound up being adopted into a family in Long Island. She showed up at Hofstra University, and when she got to Hofstra Uni- University in her freshman year, the friends that had gathered around her, sitting in the coffee house there, said, "Weren't you just here?" Uh, "No, I I just saw you. How did you go? How did?" And they began to say, "You look just like somebody here." So they texted and here's what happened it's amazing this is 20 years from when she was born in guadalajara a girl by the name of adriana smith adopted to a family in manhattan manhattan long island they showed a picture to tamra of adriana they looked like this show them the screen They never knew they were identical twins. They'd been separated through adoption at birth. One into a Jewish home in Long Island, one into a Greek Orthodox family in Manhattan, sharing the same common DNA that connected them together. Everything about them was the same. They had taken on the DNA of their parents and all of their mechanisms in their life were the same. They, the, the way they talked, the way they smirked, the way they walked, the way, the way they laughed, the way they giggled, it was identical. They had taken on a common DNA. And in that mile marker of birth, they didn't even know it until 20 years later, they were identical twins. They went to go see each other's homes where they had been raised, and all of a sudden the moms in totally different radically different ways in which they had been raised found how identical they were it separated itself from the norm because they shared a common DNA now we find that to be a fascinating story but you know I wonder in our life what DNA do we share or should we share in the mile marker of our birth what does that look like? What does it sound like? Yeah, you know, to do so, if, if you'll just indulge me for a minute, let's do a history lesson. I fear sometimes what we do in church is we make sure it's 1018 according to that clock right there. If you ever wonder what that box is, that box screams at me, hush. All right? So, so I've got, we, we try to have a 65 or 70-minute service. So, so based on that clock right there, I've got less than 19 minutes. Okay? So, so let me make sure that you, you, you do a quick history lesson. Jesus, in John chapter 3, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. John chapter 3. Jesus runs into this dude by the name of Nicodemus. All right? And, and Jesus three times makes the same statement. Now, let me just state the obvious. If God says something to you three times, I think he wants you to hear it clearly. Okay, it's not like, uh-oh, I mean, like, what? I, I, I don't know God's will. Well, three times, got it. Are you with me? All right, here's what it says in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees. Now, that's an important statement because this was a religious dude. Okay, this is the kind of cat that, I mean, he knew all the rules, I mean, all the church rules, check boxes, what to do, what not to do. He was a member of what we call the oughts, O-U-G-H-T-S. You ought to do it, okay? He, he got it, all right? Named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, you and I both know, after we studied the gospel of John over the last five weeks, we know that when he refers to signs, he's talking about miracles. Okay, miracles that happened then, miracles that still happen today. All right? Now, watch this. Signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, remember, this is a relatively smart guy, okay? He's, he's a honcho in the church. He's a big cog in the synagogue. You got it? I mean, he's got it going on, right? But he asked a pretty good question. I don't get the born again thing. All right. Now, now here's Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you want the kingdom of God, if you want heaven, if you want all of, all of the blessings the goodness of God, you must be born again. Now, here's the problem. Here in America, born again has become a political term. Okay, let me say that one more time. Here in America, born again has become a political term. But it's not a political term when Jesus makes the statement. Jesus is making a practical statement that says there must be a time at which something new enters you and your DNA, your nature has changed because the presence of God in you has now changed you from the inside out. Okay, are you with me? Are you tracking? I mean, it, what happens is a new presence comes in and I, my life is given new life, a new spirit, a new breath, a new way. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, if you want the kingdom of God, it's yours for the asking. You just have to be born again. Now, again, here in America, born again sounds like this. I vote Republican, I vote pro-life, I believe in prayer in schools, and I believe the Bible. Make sense? You with me? Okay, but here's, here's the problem. That is not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, you, you, you can be a Democrat and have the kingdom of God. <laughs> now, you could be wrong, but you, mean, you could be a Democrat. My point is, listen to me, friend. Jesus is saying, I put no restrictions. You can be born again. Matter of fact, he says you must be born again. Hey, there's, there's no option here. All right? Did you know Did you know that you can take an apple tree and you can cut a significant limb off the apple tree and you can core into that into that apple tree into into where you cut it off you can core and take shoots from a pear tree and stuff those shoots into that hole fill it with beeswax wrap it in cheesecloth and fertilize and care for that tree. And the next season, there will be apples and pears on that tree. You know why? Because a new thing entered into the DNA of that tree and changed it from the inside. Now, I want to make sure that we get this. The New Testament makes it plain that at the point that we are born again we become sons and daughters of God. Now, here's what I hear all the time on television shows. I hear this all the time. We're all God's children. Okay, let me be clear. clear. Okay, make, make, this is a Bible thing. Okay, this is deep. This is a little heady, so hang with me, all right? God indeed loves all of us. God indeed created all of us. But you are not a child of God until you have accepted God's ways, God's will, and you've been born again. This, this is the way of God. Now, you can say, well, Chuck, I just don't agree with that. That's okay. Re- really, that's cool. Everybody's got a right to be wrong. I don't have a problem with that. Okay? I get it. But, but here's the part I want to make sure that we do understand. Let's go all the way back with a history lesson. Adam and Eve in the garden. God says to Adam and Eve, this is good. As a matter of fact, he separated light from dark. He separated earth from sky. He separated water from firmament. Are you with me? I mean, God, he created the fish and he created the animals and he created the birds of the air. And then he created man. He said, man, that's good. And he said, "You, you guys get to name those. How cool is that? Name them. I mean, so, can you imagine? That looks like an antelope. <laughs> I wouldn't have called that thing an antelope. I'd have said, that's a thing with pointy stuff. How cool must that have been? But then God said, now here's the one thing I want to make sure that you get. Don't eat from that tree. Now, what do we know about the tree? We, we know... That's the tree. That's that's knowledge, right? Good versus evil. Now don't miss this, because what Adam and Eve did when they chose to sin, we think it was about rebellion, and it was. But really it was this. They decided that they would be the ones that could judge what was right or wrong. God said, Let me settle what's good and evil. You you get to tend over this that I've given you, but what I want you to do is reserve the ability for me to determine what's good and evil. You don't judge, let me judge, is what God said. And then they came along and said, You know what I want to do? I want to judge. Satan said, Eat, it's no big deal. You can be just like God, you can judge. And they did. And the fall happened. And now all of us, because of that, we are born with this unbelievable desire built within us in that nature. We want to judge. And in that, we sin because we judge what's good and evil in our life. We chose to take the role of God and judge. It sounds like this. Well, you know, everybody's doing it. Well, you know, it's legal now. Well, you know, it's a woman's choice. Well, wait a minute. That's, That's not how we used to do it. Oh, I cannot believe he said that. It's everything from a critical spirit to willful disobedience. And in the midst of all that, we chose to judge. And Jesus came because God looked upon us and said, how did they miss it? But I've got a plan. You see, the Bible says the wages of our sin, what we've earned, is death. Separation from God, both now and for eternity. But God said, but I I love you. I want you to be my child. I want to adopt you into my family. I want to call you kings and queens. I want to call you princes and princesses. I want you to come on. I want you to come into the palace. I want you to come into the safety. I want you to be adopted into the family, but you must be born again. And you say, well, I don't understand the, the born again. Listen, here's what I want you to get. From the moment we are... From the moment we are no longer in the exact image of God, the fall happened. But Adam and Eve birthed a son of their image. And hence, we've got that sin nature coursing through our blood. That's what the Bible means when Paul says there's no difference for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I mean, do you see it that way? I mean, do you know that you've made mistakes and that you're not perfect, that God is? I mean, do you, do you look at your life every now and then and say, man, man, I just messed up? I mean, is there ever come a time in your life where you just look at your life and think, oh, I, I wish I hadn't thought that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. I preached a funeral in Brevard, North Carolina yesterday of a 33-year-old man who took his own life the other day. I was one of the few people on the planet that knew at some point when he was a little boy he'd given his life to Christ. But there was absolutely, if you're going to measure that guy on the fruit of what he left in his life, you couldn't find a grape. This, this guy, had, he didn't sow wild oats. He majored in it. And the family, although I'd been around this guy just a few hours in his life, the family called and asked if I'd drive to Brevard, North Carolina, preach a funeral for this guy because I was, I was the only person that had spoken spiritual truth into his life. And while there, dozens of people gave their life to Christ because they heard this one thought. You know what TC would say to you today? Don't miss heaven. And there are some folks sitting there looking at me thinking, I wonder if he's there. And so what I had to describe to them was this thought. Whether he went to hell or he went to heaven, he would have the same statement. Whatever you do, don't miss heaven. You say, well, Chuck, that's me. I don't want to miss heaven. I want to know. Jesus says, then you must be born again. Scripture teaches that the only way to restore what God has designed is that he comes back into our lives, restores us from being spiritually dead to being alive. That being born again is that we are alive. The mile marker that we have to hit somewhere in our life, if we're to experience life in abundance today and eternally for heaven, the mile marker we've got to hit is that we come alive. And the only way we come alive is to choose to be born again alive a new birth a new life jesus said as he said to nicodemus unless a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of god to be alive is to have a new life and to be born again jesus said if you're to see heaven one day you must be born again every creature in this world has a nature of its own kind Uh, you can't teach a bird to crawl and you can't teach a snake to fly are we in agreement there? Y'all are looking at me like I got three heads. Okay, you're amen to the three heads, or you're with me. Okay, got it. All right. A caterpillar. A ca- caterpillar. A caterpillar. Let me try that one more time. A caterpillar crawls. A bird flies. One day, weeks, months. I don't. I don't know all that gestation period, but a caterpillar crawling along the ground. One day, sprouts wings and it flies. Does it not? I mean. And what do we say, dude? That is one smart caterpillar. He went to Barnes and Noble. Got a do-it-yourself book on how to fly. Look, that is one smart caterpillar. Get, give that caterpillar the PhD for all caterpillars. No, that's not what we do. We look at it and say, "Look at how na- Look at what nature did. Nature caused that." If you're following, it, this is why Jesus says that which is born into flesh is flesh. Because of the fall, you and I are born into flesh. We sin by our nature. There has to be a mile marker where you say, I don't want that anymore. I want all of him and less of me. The mile marker comes for say, I want Jesus to come inside of me and transformationally change the nature of my my life. You know, you can take a pig and wash the pig. You can paint the pig's hooves. You can put a pink bow and a pig tuxedo on a pig at the end of the day you know what you've got a pig that is the nature of a pig i don't care what they're wearing they're going to wallow in mud they're pigs maybe you go to church regularly maybe you've been going to church for 40 years Maybe you give every week. Maybe you go to group every week. Maybe maybe you pass the basket. Maybe you hold a door. Maybe you 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 do all kind of things in the church. But Jesus didn't say, "Do all those things so you can inherit the kingdom of God." You know what He said? You must be born again. The mile marker says you must be born again. Now, you say, "Well, Chuck, I." what happens we we need jesus to come to you and we need him to save us because jesus is the one who was born into this world so that we could be born again he came he he lived he died he rose from the dead so that we could say jesus please forgive me of all my junk of all my sin come live inside of me make me new I accept your dying for me and raising for the dead as payment for all my sin and I want to turn my life around and I want to live for you. And he says, you do that, you're born again. I will give you a new life and I will give you the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you and I will keep you and hold you and someday, not only you live in abundance now, you will live eternally forever. Uh, Ezekiel, the prophet said in chapter 36 in the book of Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinance. I assure you, Jesus said in John 3, 3, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. This morning, we started this teaching series, Mile Markers. It's a series about what se- success truly looks like. What does success in your life truly look like? At some point, if you're going to be successful in the kingdom of God, if you're going to experience all God has for you, at some point, the mile marker is I must be born again. I want that. So the question I've got for you today is have you been born again? Well, let me tell you something, Chuck. My great-granddaddy was a deacon in this church. My granddaddy was a Baptist preacher. My daddy was the chairman of the deacons. So, of course, I've been born again. Look right here, friend. Being born into the home of Christian parents no more makes you a Christian than being born in a bakery makes you a donut. Every person sitting here, I don't care how many years you've been going to church, at some point, you've got to be able to look and ask yourself, and here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5 test yourself to see if you're in the faith examine yourself are you walking the talk or are you just playing the game can, can, can I just take my preacher hat off for a minute can, I, can we just be friends for a minute the time is I, I'm, I've blown it I get it we can be a church here that spiritually and intellectually entertains y'all and grow and we can clap and leave out of here, yeah. Or we can be a church that allows the presence of Jesus in our life to sprout in our heart and we can experience the transformation of our life where our critical spirit is gone. And we, we, we can allow our lives and our church and our families to move all the orthodoxy that we've ever known out of the way so that it's just Jesus. And You can peel all the layers back of everything that we've laid on top of that and get to the one core that says, I must have Jesus. Because if I do, within my life there's something new and it never grows old. And it's always changing me. And it's always working in my heart. And my friend, listen to me. If that's not the experience in your life, settle that today. Stop playing religion. I've gotten to the point that I despise that word. Because all it seems to do is be a roadblock to keep people from coming to just Jesus. You say, Chuck, that's me. Then I want to ask you just everybody Would you bow your heads Would you close your eyes I mean I don't play around here please just don't, If you got some place to work at the hour They'll wait up Just don't move Just sit here for a minute There are people in this room Who may have been coming to church For 30 years or more And there's folks that are here For the first time Jesus said you must be born again And I'm going to ask you right now to choose, I want to be born again. I want in on that. I want all he has for me. I want the blessed assurance of Jesus. Then just call on his name. And, and, And this is how that sounds. You can even just say it silently in your heart with me. You can say it out loud if you want to. Just start like this. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I sinned please forgive me come into my life and make me new give me a new life I want to make a U-turn I'm tired of trying to live for me I need a mile marker to live for you let it be today and I accept the fact that you died for me and you rose from the dead for me as payment for all my sin because you love me be my savior Be my Lord.